Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show. With you, as always, I am Joe Marcellina, joined once again by Dairy Field Boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Uh, coach, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Joe. Yeah, down here at uh, Riverside Barbecue in Nashua. Uh, on a, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. You'll all be listening to this Thursday morning uh, or some point on Thursday, I imagine. Uh, talking a little bit of boys lacrosse uh, once again, kind of recapping the week and looking ahead towards next week. Uh, and we're getting to a point where it's going to be fast and furious. I think the next uh, next few days. I know. I know personally, my schedule. I'm looking at doing six games in six days this week. Uh, you guys just finished up. We just three finished games up four, four, four games, games in five days. So right. we had we had a Saturday game, and then we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So tonight's Wednesday. We just finished so, up our yeah. three-game stretch. About ten minutes ago, go. right? You yeah, yeah. Rolled, <laughs> rolled in here, yeah. On a, uh, on, a, on a rare non-rainy day, too, on, in New Yes, Hampshire. I know. Rainy so. and the sun was out for a little while. I got the lawn mowed <laughs> for the first time this year. It took way longer because this is way too late to be doing it the first time. Um you know, uh, I guess let's start with, uh, since you're here, let's start with, with Dairyfield and, and Division Two. And you guys, like you said, finished off a big week. Um, probably the biggest game of that stretch, I would say, was last Saturday against Wyndham. Yep. You know, you guys were, once, why don't we remind everybody what the fundraiser was you guys were doing and how did how did that go? It, it went it went fantastic. It couldn't have gone much better than it did. Uh, we raised over $6,000 for Manchester Pal and for 603 Lacks in order to buy equipment for kids. Um, fantastic turnout, even though the, the weather wasn't completely cooperative. Um, we, we had a, a great uh, set of youth games beforehand. We had, uh, we had Pelham playing. We had Wyndham playing. Uh, we had uh, Sauhegan was there, Amherst. Um, so we had a bunch of different town teams, uh, boys and girls. Those games went well. JV went off without a hitch. And then uh, we had a little missed for the, for the varsity game, but things, things went well. Um, we ended up, boys played very well. We won 13-4 over Wyndham. Um, but just it was a, it was a great atmosphere. The pep band was there that night. Um, you know, oh, we had a, we had a really yeah. good crowd. Um, and and St. A's was fantastic. Uh, wonderful facility there. It'd be it'd be huge if the NHA could get the the championships there in the future. Great venue. Um, so yeah, really exciting, really exciting night. And then um, we capped off today. We had a, a three game stretch uh, where we played Alvern, uh, Manchester Memorial, and Kennett. Kennett came down to play us, so we, we kept that off this week. Yeah. So that game ended up being a, at your place. I wasn't that originally scheduled for at Kennett, or uh, no, it was just rescheduled. Just rescheduled. We had rain, okay. and uh, it was it, the, the rain was actually we have turf, and believe it or yeah. not, it was actually raining hard enough where where the playing conditions. I know, I was I was um, so. kind of that. I know we talked about last Friday. I was I was ready to go over to do the Londonderry Pinkerton doubleheader that Friday, yep. which that obviously got postponed with, it and, and no surprise there because. There on the grass, and I figured, oh, I'll go to the north-south doubleheader. Then over here at Stellos, and that got postponed. So yeah, not a not a day for anybody to be outside last Friday. We we wanted to play it. I mean, it, it would have made Saturday even more special had we won that game last Friday, and had we had we won like we did on Saturday, it would it would have also added to the night. It was, uh, we recently picked up our 150th victory since since going back to varsity status. So would have been fun to have it happen on Saturday night, but you know we got to do it at home on Monday. So how many anyway. now? How many years is that that? So since 2007, so 10, 10 years, but but uh, about 11 seasons right. total. Um, so it's fun to think back on how far we've gone. We, we went two and 14 that first year. It was a pretty uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty uphill battle, but yeah. um, it's been fun. Yeah. You know, um, we were talking, uh, um, texting each other all week about you know what was going on with some of the other games in the division, and uh, you know you, you, we kind of. 
and we'll probably, I think we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, or at least what I'll be doing is looking at what you're doing at Dairy Field. You guys are now, what, 11 and 0? 12. 12 and 0. Um, you look out at Dover on the seacoast there. Yep. At, I think nine and zero. Uh, at least it's going hard to tell today. with the website. I know you have to double double check on everything. Yeah. is uh, what I've what I've learned. And we looked at it a little while ago. It said eight and zero. So I'm guessing that it's probably. I think it's nine and zero. Dover's um, got some big games coming up. They've got they've got St. Thomas again. They've got Portsmouth again. Uh, Portsmouth for the first time. Uh, I think they have Timberlane coming up. And Timberlane just had a big victory over Wyndham. Um, that was that was a fantastic game. Uh, I talked to Coach Ken Blaska yesterday, and he was just over the moon with the way his kids played. Uh, Michael Bowman, uh, a Franklin Pierce commit, um, had five goals in the game. Um, uh, Little Licata had, uh, I believe, he had the game-winning assist to Bowman at the end of the game. They were down two, with uh, under, a, or I'm sorry, down one down and one, scored right. two yeah. with about a minute to play in the game. So just a, a crazy ending to the game. Yeah. Um, three, tough. Se- three seconds, I think, on yeah. the, on the yeah. winner, game winner. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, tough way to lose a game. Uh, but I guess, you know, we, we talked about Timberlane, I think, earlier in the year, and, and were they going to be a team that hung around in that? This is the four. stretch right now yeah. that's going to tell. I mean, and Coach Blasco said he said this is going to it's going to put the metal to our kids and test us out to see over this stretch, uh, you know, if he can hang. They they hung tough with Portsmouth. Um, you know, he talked to me. They I think they lost 12-5 to Portsmouth. But they were they were in that game. They just came out a little too aggressive in the beginning. Uh, gave Portsmouth maybe a little too much uh, open space to work with, and then um, you know. But they they hung right in there. That's a, a very respectable game against them, um, you know. And then they have got Dover, Goffstown, St. Thomas, uh, Wyndham again, and, and Hollis Brooklyn. You know, they, this is this will be a big stretch for them. Yeah, they, yeah, that Dover game actually on, on Thursday at Dover, four o'clock uh, should be. I guess we'll learn a little bit more about about both teams. Um, you know, we we I guess uh, what I was alluding to was looking at, you know, you guys don't play Dover this this <coughs> during the regular season, but both of you have so many games in common. common. Opponents, yeah. You know, it'll be one of those. Okay, well, you guys beat that this team by this much, and Dover beat them by this much. How can we gauge off of that? And um, you know, it's it's. But like we've talked about, I think it depends on when you play the opponent, who's missing. You know, like like we talked about, I think it's a little. The, our Portsmouth score is a little deceiving when when two of their better players are not in the lineup. That's a that's a good Portsmouth team out there, and and St. Thomas is getting better and better. Um, you know, if Hollis gets healthy, they're they're a good team. Um, you know, and uh, you know Dover is going to be adjusting. They recently lost one of their starting attackmen. Um, they're going to be adjusting to life with with only now. They had three three stud attackmen now makes it a little bit easier for teams to key on them so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how that affects their offense see if there's somebody forward. that steps up yeah, and exactly. fills in that void yeah. yep. you know it's it's really shaping up to be um obviously you know the the two two of you are at the top of the standings undefeated but the rest of it i mean two through 12 it's a 12 team playoff field you know yep. any any maybe I'm maybe looking say two through eight is, is i'm looking any, to see um, how merrimack valley comes together over the next couple weeks you know they they traditionally start a little bit slower because they've got a grass field they don't necessarily get out of the parking lot till later um and then they have a, a weird spring break where all the school uh kind of shuts down practice for a little bit a lot of kids go away they don't schedule games during that time so they traditionally it, it takes a while for them to get going but um you know, Coach O'Brien has talked to me recently and seems really enthusiastic about the, the way the kids are playing, and, and they've they've got over the hump. They beat John Stark the other day, big win for them. 
Um, you know, so I, I'm interested to see their scores over the next week or so and see how they continue to climb. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, and I think we might have talked about this a few weeks ago. Is looking at this this the standings again. Twelve teams get in, you know, and it looks like there are some teams that have moved up um, in recent weeks. You look at Pembroke, Keene, Bow, even Spalding is right in there in the mix. Um, and then I think a couple teams that you and I kind of thought would be playoff teams in in Goffstown. Uh, Stark and, and potentially Oyster River that are, you know, in danger, especially Goffstown. Goffstown has an yeah. extremely, extremely hard schedule this year and a very young team. Um, unfortunately, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't make the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if they did either because I, I, I know the, the coaching staff is great there. The kids are great. They, can't, they have a great town feeder team. But just that schedule, I mean, they have a meat grinder schedule, and you, br- you mod up uh, Pembroke as well. Pembroke, uh, what are they? They're sitting at five and four and, four four and three, three right, right now. now. Yeah. If you look at their schedule going forward, too, they, they the majority of their top opponents are coming up, so that one's going to be interesting to see how they progress. I'm I'm impressed with, with Pembroke right now. They graduated a ton of kids. Uh, you know, obviously everybody knows that Glenn Dion is their is their best player and keys on them. But for them to be at four and three at this point in the season is pretty impressive. Um, speaks speaks to a great job that. Uh, Tim Vasconis is doing up there with with his kids. Yeah, it should be definitely be interesting uh, how things shape up down the stretch. Uh, you know, let's um, kind of transition here sure. to Division One. Um, you know, of course the you know the game that everybody circles was you know last week with uh, Pinkerton and Bishop Girton playing. Uh, but I think coming up next week are maybe the next two games that everybody looks at. Uh, although this year they're going to look a little bit different with Bedford playing Pinkerton on Monday and then hosting BG on Thursday. Um, not an easy week for them. And, of course, this week uh, started off kind of rough with that overtime loss to Londonderry yep. uh, in a game that I, th- I think if overtime rules and were, were the way the girls play, where it's uh, it's not sudden death, right? I, they'd s- they could have still been playing Tuesday morning. It was just back it was forth, such a yeah. back-and-forth game, them and Londonderry. Um, no one led by more than one. I included this in the, the story that I wrote that was up on uh, – nh-highschoolsports.com the longest lead lasted four minutes and 50 seconds bedford was up 2-1 for 450 of the the second quarter no other lead was more than 90 seconds Uh, overtime was the only way that that game had could have ended i think i think if bedford i think if bedford continues to to gel and get get some chemistry i mean they had so many kids out in the beginning of the season for so long i i believe matt howe was injured for a while or uh, Brand, sorry, Brandon Howe was injured for a while, um, and you know reinserting him back in the lineup. So seeing how those kids come together, Bed- Bedford could be a dangerous team come playoff time. You know, if they're if they're a seven or an eight seed, you know, and and, and you want to yeah. see them in the yeah. next round, like that would not. You know, if I'm if I'm Pinkerton and BG, that's not necessarily an ideal matchup for us. Um, you know, having to play them in the in the quarterfinals. Right, or if they end up getting to six, I mean. Yep. Yep. It's no, I mean, it's not a guarantee that, that they're going to, you know, right. that three seed's going right. to get in the next round. Right. You know, it could um, easily, easily be an upset there. Really impressed with what Concord's doing right now. Their losses and, and stuff have all been all been tight games. You know, they, they beat Hanover by one, and then they turn around, and they, they lose by one six five to to Sauhegan the other day. Um, it, uh, you know, Ethan Donlin is just playing lights out right now. The defense is playing well. Marceau down on close defense. Um you know, and we've definitely got that one circled next week. We have them next Wednesday, right. so I'll they be breaking a, down tape a, for the next week. <laughs> they had a tough one today uh, having to, to host Pinkerton. 
yeah. but, but held, still, him, held 12, him to 12 you know. and, and lost by lost yeah. 12 to 4, which, yeah. I, you know, I know Pinkerton played Londonderry yesterday, so maybe there was a little bit of, uh, you know, run, running low in the, the gas tank there. Maybe, uh, but Pinkerton's got a pretty deep bench. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty impressive that, that Conquer was able to hold him to 12-4. To um, yeah, Pinkerton coming off that, they beat Londonderry by 10 um, Tuesday night. I mean, you look at BG, too. I think we talked a little bit about that. You know, they were up, uh, I want to say, 12-3 against uh, Londonderry going into the fourth quarter, ended up winning 13-11. That was a little eye-opening there. Um, you know, but outside of that, it's – it's. I think every, every year I kind of hope that there's somebody that's going to, you know – maybe throw a monkey wrench into things, make things a little bit unpredictable. But I, I think the only way that that happens this year is if BG or Pinkerton somehow slips up against some of these mass teams. Um, they get beat, you know, if they get beat up. Yeah, you know, and you, know, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see somebody get hurt in one of those games. Those are supposed to be showcase games to see, you know, the best from out of states play each other. Um, but yeah, that would, I, I agree with you. That would be, a, it would be unfortunate if that, that decided a, a playoff game. Or if they just end up dropping a couple games, I, I mean, it's it's not looking like it now because other teams have two, three, four losses. But they drop a, one of those games, and then someone has somehow jumps them, yeah. and you end up with a two-three, you know, semifinal you know, game instead the of the thing to watch over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I believe Trahan is back in the lineup for yeah, Bishop Girton. I think Saturday, he was back for the the Zaverian brother game mm -hmm. and and made an instant impact there. Had had some goals offensively. Was able to push transition and win face-offs um, so it adds adds a little dimension to that teams are going to have a lot more trouble stalling and, and, and taking the air out of the ball against Bishop Girton uh, yeah. come playoff time you know they have kind of a sneaky big game tomorrow um, with at Exeter uh, you know Exeter's turned it on mm -hmm. a little bit here uh, they had a, a tough start to the season um, you know had a triple overtime win there against Bedford that I think maybe opened a few eyes in the sense just because they lost to Bedford earlier in the year. Um, but BG's got to go out there and play tomorrow or on Thursday um, with, with Boston College High coming in exactly. on, on Saturday. You know, if you're overlooking that game, Exeter has some excellent defensemen. They have Orofici, Finnerty down on close defense. Uh, they have a freshman in net, Vote, who, who we scrimmaged them, and he was making incredible saves in that game. Um, it would not surprise me if this was a game that feels like BG is dominating it from a time of possession standpoint, but the score just doesn't get you know it just doesn't ever stretch out the way that you think it will. I could be completely wrong, and, and BG pumps in a bunch of goals early, <laughs> but yeah, uh, given the defensive prowess of, of Exeter, the goaltending, I, I could see it being a closer game than maybe the final score indicates. Mm -hmm. um, I do think Exeter will probably have a little bit difficulty scoring on um, on BG. I mean, Mikey Penna is very good, but it's 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 going to be tough for him when when there isn't a, a surrounding cast as strong as there usually is out right, there. Right. Right. Um, and I mean, of course, uh, BG's had uh, I think what's been a great year out of its uh, goal, goalie uh, Colin yeah, Casey. Colin, he's really yeah. been playing. He's like a different player this year than I, he was good. I think in the past, but he's taken his game to the next level. Uh, so far this year, yeah. So they, you know, and what's scary is they they've got they've got a goalie waiting in the wings that's just as good. So they're gonna be they're gonna be good for for a while in the goal in, in the goal. Yeah, and we I mean we talked about that I think before with Pinkerton too that you look down and they've got you know three freshmen and a sophomore as their top offensive exactly. players. Yeah. Um, 
you know, what about, um, you know, you mentioned Sauhegan um, pulling out that win against Concord the other day. Uh, you know, are they a team? They're, they're another one of those teams that, that's pretty young, though. Um, you know, got a new coach in Keith Bertrand this year, kind of probably l still working out some kinks, just getting on the same page. Yep. Um, you know, they're not really lighting anybody up. Um, they had those two one-sided losses to BG and to Pinkerton. Um, you know, but do you think they're a team that maybe come that semifinal game, they might throw a scare into whoever that ends up being? Well, whenever you got Alex Burnley in net, you know, he, he's a he's a Dartmouth commit. You got Foster Burnley on the wing, Cornell commit. Um, you know, th those two guys are going to keep you in a lot of games. They've got a good young offense, um, you know, a little undersized, but those kids are growing up fast. Um, Hall, Horner, um, you know, they, they've got some guys that can put the ball in the back of the net. But, you know, matchup-wise, I, th I think they're going to struggle a little bit. And I think they're, they're still working on um, – that Concord game, to me, screams that there was a zone defense being played. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sauhegan controlled the ball for most of that game. But just, you know, hadn't – in Division One, you just don't see a lot of teams that play zone. And so how much time are you going to spend on that, you know? And then you right. get into a game like that, and all of a sudden it just gets uncomfortable. The pace of play gets grounded down. You're not, you haven't run a zone offense very much, and you got young kids, and you're probably shooting the ball from way out against Ethan Donlin, you know, a NESCAC, NESCAC commit who's, uh, you know, arguably one of the top goalies. And hard to say that with Sturgis and Casey and all those guys, but Ethan might be, might be the best goalie in, in Division I. Um, so I feel, I feel like there's almost a dozen guys up and down each division. Very good year. Very we good year say, for goaltenders you know, this goalies. year. Yeah, yeah I mean, because yeah. you've got – the guys you just mentioned, um, you know, you look at your guy, uh, yep. I, a Avery, I can never remember his last True name. True yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we were talking earlier uh, before we started about Hollis's goalie, how he's kind of unorthodox, but he's, you know, been getting Garrett the job Maloney's done for playing. them. Garrett Maloney's been playing just, just fabulous. He's been playing really, really well. Uh, Wyndham's goalie, Chris Bassey, had a great game against us the other day. I mean, making really, really legit saves on the doorstop solid from the outside on the run so it's it's a fantastic year for goaltenders this year how many of them are are still going to be here next year i mean is there um i know obviously uh we, you mentioned burnley he's going to be gone casey's also Casey's a senior uh i believe Stur sturgis returns yep he's uh, back he's Pinkerton. a junior uh vote out over at exeter is only a freshman so he returns my goaltender avery is is just a sophomore so he returns uh, Bassey is a senior. He's going to do a PG year up at, at KUA, so KUA is getting a fantastic goalie there. Um, and then Garrett Maloney, I believe, is a junior, so he'll be back too. So there, there is, there's going to be some goaltending talent uh, mm -hmm. throughout the state for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it's eventually going to be spread out at a number of different colleges probably in the area. And as we I think so. we talked yeah, about, we hope, to, we hope to get them out there. You know, that's the seems to be the, the growing sport um, in, in terms of New Hampshire kids going on to play at the next level it's kind of uh you know if you're not aware of it at this point um shame on you <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it, it's it's it, you know it's worth you know i tried I tried talking to my my brother is coming up this weekend uh for mother's day uh not for me for you know to see my mom <laughs> um but you know this weekend with the, the bc high game being at stelos i said to him you know he was a, f a uh, lacrosse player in probably the loosest sense possible over at, at Nashua High before uh, Unified Nashua High yeah. School. And, uh, you know, I tried to tell him. I'm like, you know, I'm going to watch that game. You know, do you want to come with me? Um, and, you know, I got the usual brother stuff. The, the Oh, do I get to stand on the field? Do I get a, <laughs> do I get a press pass? Um, you know, and it's it, – and 
you know, try uh, explaining that to people. I mean, this is this the kids that you're seeing play this, these games are. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of collegiate players on that on that sideline come Saturday. That's that's going to be a fun game to watch. What do you know? Do you know much about BC High? I've been, you know, I've, I I see the scores on Twitter, and it, I feel like, you know, they're in a they have had a, probably a pretty brutal schedule in Mass this year. Um, you know, with with the teams that they played, I think they played LaSalle too out of state. Um, you know, really a, a a tough team, and they're having a great year. It sounds like they are. They are. I think I think BG's in for in for a good matchup. You know, anytime, even though they, their their record may not be what they normally are, they've been tested, and I don't think they're going to be scared to come up and play BG this year. And I'm sure they've done their homework. Enough mass teams have played BG so far, and so. I think the word is out. You know, I, I don't think Bryant. I'll be shocked if Brian Cameron gets loose in that game for <laughs> if they don't shut him off or or have a game plan against him. Um, you know, kudos kudos to Brian and, and the coaching staff at BG for for that. Um, so I think B, BC High will come in be come in prepared for that. But um, to me, it's just you know how do, how do they match up with Trahan in the faceoff circle? Is BG able to pinch and pop and, and get some transition early and break it open? That'll be uh, that'll be the, the storyline I think there to watch. Um, you know, uh, moving on, let's uh, jump down to Division Three. Um, you know, I was just actually this afternoon out at in Milford. They had uh, Plymouth uh, in a game that, you know, looked like it could have been, uh, you know, a good one on paper. Milford has had a, a probably a better year than some people thought. Um, Plymouth, I think, you know, going into the year, people thought they were going to be good, but not sure how good. Um, you know they're off to an eight and one start now after beating Milford fifteen to five and what looked like a a really complete complete. Game I will for them. never I will never count Plymouth out. I remember so 2013. I felt coming into that season we just had a lights out team and I, I felt short of any that we were going to win the state championship. We did win the state championship that year, but our semifinal game against Plymouth, you know we had sort of seen them and we were just thinking, but they had athletes that just they get football players to come out. Two kids playing for UNH right now, Kuehl and, and Reisert, Reisert um, were just almost unstoppable. And I, I, I'm just, I'm having a feeling that that Plymouth has just got a few guys like that out this year, that they can they can just give the ball to and run through guys and, and put the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, it's a strange. They have one strange. They have a strange loss to Monadnock. You look at the rest of their scores, and they've been really, really solid. Um, but they'll have they'll have Kearsarge on on May 19th. Um, unfortunately, they, it doesn't look like they play Hopkinton. Um, so that could be, you know, that could be a semifinal a matchup right, there yeah. that'll be yeah. interesting to see there. Well, we, um, as, you know, while we were talking last week, we kind of got the surprise of uh, maybe the day with that hopkinton Kearsarge score. Not so much what the final result was, but the, the margin that, yeah. you know, Hopkinton really beat up on Kearsarge. And, of course, they play again this coming Friday, um, you know, in a, in a game that's, could go, I mean, if if it's another Hopkinton win, you know, then that drops Kearsarge back a little bit. You look at, right, that, like you said, they still have to play Plymouth. Um, I think they they still have Pelham on their schedule. Um, you know, that then we're looking at them maybe dropping down to a three, maybe even the four seed if they drop a couple of those games. So that game coming up on Friday could be, you know, for a. a if you want to compare scores, both Kearsarge and, and Hoppington have beaten Laconia by six or seven goals, and, and it was a two-goal game w with Plymouth. So that, that tells me that maybe Plymouth might might sort of be in that second tier, and it looks like, you know, from everything that it looks like right now, it looks like Hoppington, you know, if they do that again to Kearsarge in the, in the, in the next day or two, on the 12th there, 
that that tells me that they're they're far and away the the clear cut favorite going into the playoffs. Yeah, because they haven't really had a game. Um, no, that's been, been close. They, they they beat Kearsarge by eight and Conval by eight. Um, you know, which seems to be Conval to me seems to be a really a team that's just all over the place. Um, you know, playing games close games with teams that maybe uh, you know you wouldn't expect them to, and then right. You know, having blowouts against teams that you know was. Um, kind of a surprise and uh, right now I think they're in a playoff spot um, but who knows well I mean let's look at the scores there you've got you've got them losing 12 12-4 to Conval and they lose 8-7 to Kearsarge so I mean that that those losses there should tell you that Hopkinton is is they they are the they are the team right now I've been in Hopkinton's position when we were down in division three you know, I remember years where we were putting up scores like that, and the playoffs are a different beast. People adjust; they start throwing his own defense at you. They do, they do things. So, hopefully, Coach Coach Deacon Blue up there is preparing his kids and keeping them hungry. And you know, they they haven't been to the title game since 2011. Um, so, you know, they they they'll be looking. I think they'll be pretty hungry. I think I think those kids see the opportunity in front of them, and um, they, I don't think they've plateaued yet. Yeah. You know, I, I know we've we've talked about um, over the the course of this season and and probably um, you know just off the record you know amongst ourselves over the last couple of years about just the not the divisions within the divisions you know you look at like we're I think we were talking about you know before you played Memorial today they beat West on Monday for their first win in yeah. I think what eighty ninety something games. Um, you know, you look at Central, you know, that's struggling in Division One this year and seems to year in and year out. Uh, you look at, you get newer programs that are coming up, like, you know, Interlakes Moltenboro's got a new team this year. Uh, Cole Brown's K been Cole a recent Brown's, new team. Campbell's yep. a recent addition. Alvern's a recent addition. And then you just, there's just other teams that struggle for whatever reason, you know, numbers, yep. theater program, whatever it is. Not that there's... And I, I almost feel bad. I feel like I deserve a smack in the face for saying this because of how adamant I am about the three divisions in football. Would it almost be worth looking into adding a fourth division in lacrosse that's more along the lines of what Maine is trying to do with with some sports, I believe, where it's kind of like a an instructional division, a developmental where it's, league, yeah, developmental yeah. kind of division, where it's teams that you know are either new um, to varsity the varsity sport or are working out something that's gone wrong with the with the program like you know i think it would be interesting to see if if teams would do that i think the what the lacrosse committee over the years has felt is that if they added a division four the teams school size wise that would be eligible for it would petition out of it wouldn't want it wouldn't want to be in it it would almost it would it would be interesting to see it would it almost be like you'd use it as exactly sort of a developmental like okay it's a new program teams that have traditionally struggled in the past like I just think I think ADs need to be more proactive with their lacrosse coaches and, and saying you know where is our program at right now where where do we fit like wh what division should we be in and kind of um, you know open those conversations up more so that you don't get situations like you know Manchester Memorial sitting up in D1 for year after year after year and absorbing those losses like that I mean, as I was walking, as we were walking back to the bus today, you know, the kids and I were talking, we were saying it's, it's amazing that they still generate year after year the interest in lacrosse the way they have after taking so many of those losses like that. Like, they had a very healthy sideline today. There were a lot of kids out playing, and um, it was very impressive to see 
how the spirit of that team has has endured with the number of losses that they've taken. But you know, you just think like, what if they were playing in a division that was more suited to their to their ability right, level right, right. now? You yeah. know, what how would that drive the program forward? I you'd almost you'd have to set up some kind of different rules for it. You know, to to, to get rid of the classification, it would mm-hmm. have to be almost like you know, what do they have in? Um, European soccer, the regulation where yeah, you know, you if win you the don't title, win, you go yeah, up, yeah, you, you lose in the bottom, you, you go fall down. down. You know, you know, you maybe if you you only win a certain number of games over a certain number of years, you fall down in there. Or if you're a new program, maybe your first uh, they do two year cycles in the NHIA. Maybe it's your first well, that, two cycles. That would be interesting. So four you years, know, the then. top the top two teams in a division, you make it to the championship, win or lose, you get moved up the next year. The bottom two teams in the division go down. You know, and then you know something like something like that. I, I agree that that would be a that would be a neat because um, then then you wouldn't be locked in either. You know, like then you could have like I know that's always the fear at my school is like we're so driven by you know who comes to school and you know good years and bad years. Like you could have a good year. You know, like my team this year. There's a lot of people that are that feel that maybe we could have played Division One this year, right? But based on being locked into that cycle of the NHIA of schedule two, of two years yeah we're, we're kind of locked in and, and it would be neat to give this group a chance to play up and see what it see what it was like but then not have that worry that oh now we're locked into division one and if all of a sudden my numbers fall or we sustain injuries we're locked into playing that and then all of a sudden your program gets destroyed mm-hmm. you know so that that would be an interest a very neat way to uh to even out the playing field a little bit because this year you know is the first year of one of those cycles so you would have been up there it, you know, hypothetically speaking, if that you were, you know, you'd yep. be up there this year and next year, and yep. next year is never a given. Uh, right, exactly. But yeah. but you know that that's the thing. If you if you finish in the bottom, well then you get moved down, and you get you know, and then and then you get a chance to uh, to build it back up again. You know. Well, so. well, I think we just gave everybody something to something, something to, to think, think about. about. Yeah. Uh, Petition the NHI. Yeah. There there you go. Email your. Uh, your executive director. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Coach, uh, I want to say thank you again for joining us. Uh, Going to wrap up another uh, another week of the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, you can check this out either on uh, in iTunes or on Libsyn.com or at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, once again, Coach Hetler, this is uh, Joe Marcellina. We'll uh, check back in with you next week.